Brown family. Today we've got a very special guest speaker, Pastor Neil Kelly, Senior Pastor of The Refuge right here in Kalamazoo. In fact, many of you would already know him though because he helped to launch this campus about 12 years ago. I first met Pastor Neil back in 1996 in Romania on a missions trip. We've been good friends ever since and I've loved working together with him in the ministry. He's got a great word for you. Will you help welcome Pastor Neil Kelly? Well, good to see everybody, and just make this really clear, this is weird, <laughs> in a good kind of way. Uh, it, about 30 years ago, I, I gave my life to Christ, and uh, when I, uh, about, that's about the time uh, this building was being built. I was here when they laid the foundation, when there was no cement, I was here the day they poured it. You see, I gave my life to Christ on the corner of Drake and West Main, it's now a consumer's credit union. I don't know what it was, but I went to a church in the basement of a bank. It was a church plant. And if you think that's weird, I, would, you know, I grew up Catholic. It was really weird being a bit. And uh, so anyway, uh, this used to be the pastor's office, and I was in there um, a lot. I remember my first... Hey, shout out to those of you that you know, help and serve around here. I remember my first role, my first volunteer role. You know what I was? I was the official chair stacker after church. Because uh, they ran a little homeschool program, and every service, I, I stacked all the chairs. That's what I did for Jesus. And then I got promoted to the lawn care specialist. I got to mow the grass. Man, I did it for Jesus. I loved it. I loved it because whatever I got to do, it was a privilege to serve the Lord. I was so excited that He saved me. Um, anyway, look, fast forward, here we are. So if you start stacking chairs, hey, who knows what God will do? Hey, um, I was thinking last night when I was teaching, I had this memory that popped into my mind. Popped. It's funny that I should say that. Um, uh, I was teaching, and there was a couple teenagers that were sitting up here on the front row. And uh, this was back when, you know, uh, we didn't wear jeans, you know, because that was, you know, you know, sacrilegious or something. Anyway, for the pastor, and said, I had my jacket on, my tie on, and I was up here. And Well, about that time, I was kind of, let's put it this way, I was expanding my ministry. I was growing in this uh, area of my life right here. You see this right here? And so while I was preaching, first time visiting the front seat, man, I made an amazing point. Boom, and the button popped off my jacket, bounced, hit the kid, and it fell on the floor right in front of him. He looked down, and he looked at me, and I stopped. I looked at him, and I looked down. He didn't know if he was supposed to give it to me, and I didn't know if I was supposed to go get it. I just had that moment in time where I had to decide to plow right on through it. After service, he brought me my button. So, moral of that story doesn't exist. I have no idea. I can tell you this. I do believe I'm on a divine assignment today from the Lord to uh, encourage you. I, in fact, I believe the word as I was praying this morning outside was that God wanted to do an awakening in some of your lives today. Meaning, you thought you were coming to church today. Look out. Y'all think I'm kidding, don't you? Oh, man, I've been... It's going to be good. Listen to this. There was um, a prayer of the Apostle Paul. He was praying for Christians who were part of a church. Are you Christians? Are you a part of a church? Yeah, well, interesting, this prayer, he prayed some things. In fact, he says in here that um, in Colossians chapter 1, we have not stopped praying for you. Well, what was he praying? Why was he praying for Christians, people in the church? He was praying this, we continually ask God 
to fill you with the knowledge of his will. In other words, they were Christians, but you don't need to get filled with anything unless you're lacking. And it was so important that he was continually observing, going, Lord, he was praying for him, Lord, I pray that you would fill them with the knowledge of your will, with all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives. Why? Verse 10, so that you may live a life, so that you may live a life. Come on, we're all living out here, breathing air right now, aren't you? Hey, listen, this is the second service this morning. You guys need to liven up a little bit, all right? My goodness, it is my mission on earth to make this the most exciting day of your life. Come on, here, listen to this. So that you may live a life, how? A life worthy of the Lord and please Him every way, bearing fruit, come on, in every good work. God wants you to bear fruit in every effort, every work that you're involved with. And this is the prayer of the great apostle Paul for the church, that they would awaken and realize that God has so much more. And so that's really what I want to tell you today. God has more for you. He's got more, maybe more than you even realized. In fact, did you know that God had and has dreams about and for you in your life? Did you know that? Listen to first, or 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. It says, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. So God saved us. Come on, we know Jesus died for us, right? He saved us. He called us. That means everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. You made Jesus the leader of your life. There's a calling on your life. doesn't matter if you feel like you're called. doesn't matter if you know what the calling is. The point is God said, you called, and we need to discover what that is. Not because you're awesome, because he is. But listen to this, because that was his, God's plan. When? From before, before the beginning of time. So before there was even time, God was dreaming about your life. You know, I don't know how long ago that was because, you know, when it's before time, you can't even say a while ago because a while ago has to do with time. You know, God lives outside of time. And so when you think about that, it kind of freaks your little head out, doesn't it? Like, it's like the question someone asks, hey, when was God born? He always was. Ooh. Meditate on that thought. Listen to Proverbs chapter 24, verse 14. It says, know also that wisdom is like honey for you. If you find it, wisdom, there is a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. So wisdom is like honey for you. And if you find it, wisdom, there's a future hope and that hope will not be cut off. Well, what kind of hope do we have? Well, 1 Corinthians 1.30 says this, God has united you with Christ Jesus. Who are we united with? That's right. We've become one with Jesus. It's not like, well, I really feel connected. No, no, no. It's Jesus. He said that's what happened. We've become one with him. And then it goes, it says, for our benefit, God made him Jesus, to be wisdom itself. Hmm. Wisdom. 
that's going to be sweet for you like honey. And if you find it, wisdom, there is a future hope for you, and that hope will not, shall not be cut off. So then it goes on to say, Christ, Jesus, made us right with God, made us pure and holy, and He freed us from sin. So Christ made us right with God because He who knew no sin, right, became the righteous made us the righteousness of God in Christ, right? We've been made righteous, not because of our behavior, because of what Jesus did. He made us pure and holy. You and I have been justified in Christ, just as if I've never sinned, meaning I'm pretty awesome because of Jesus. All right, (laughs) qualifier. He thought he's pretty arrogant. He thinks he's awesome. I do because of Jesus. Tell my kids, awesome. All right, here we go. So why did he do that? Why did he make you right with God? Why did he make you pure and holy? Why did he free you from sin, free you from the tyranny of sin that separated you from God? Why does he free us from the power of sin that so easily trips us up? Why why, why did he do that? Because think about it, and I've said this for years. If God's only purpose for you was that you would one day realize that Jesus is the Savior of the world and commit your life to Him so that you could be with Him for eternity. If that was the only goal, once you made the decision, He'd just kill you, and then you go to heaven and, you know, sing songs when I've been there 10,000 years, you know, forever. But no, you are taking up air on this planet for a reason. There is something far more significant than what many of us have even considered There is something that God dreamed up about your life before time began. What happened was he had a dream. It was a vision of what your life was going to become and what it could be. He had a dream and then sin, come on, it corrupted the world. Satan came in and had dominion. He sent his son Jesus to rescue us. And the day we breathed our confession in Jesus was the day the redemption, the redemptive process began between where you are all jacked up in a mess and reconnected to the dream that he had for your life when? Before time began. That's why it's not the good news of the gospel of Jesus. It's the amazing good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ because you were created with far more potential on the inside of you than you even realize. And I am here to get all up in your business and remind you today. (laughs) And I'm having fun, by the way. So there's more for you, and don't you dare settle for mediocrity and average, and this is as good as it's going to get, and who am I to expect anything great, and woe is me, and you look in the mirror, come on, somebody, and you have some of those thoughts, you know what I mean? And you get older, and you have weirder thoughts, except for us guys. Guys, we get in front of the mirror, and we're like, start to do a little shit. I mean, you look terrible, but you're like, you the man, you the man. I hear ladies look in the mirror, and they hear something else, but anyway... I know, right? Awesomeness. I am magnificent and beautiful. Right? You better tell yourself that because you are. So we're not going to settle. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are God's masterpiece. I know we look around, we got people in life and we think, you are a piece of work, right? Well, God says, you are a piece of work too. You're a masterpiece. There's something he created in you that was pure awesome in his eyes, and you're far more amazing than you even allow yourself to believe, but today you got to believe it because the hope of glory resides up on the inside of you. Listen to this. You, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us. He created me. He created you anew in Christ Jesus so we can do 
so we can do. He wants us to do something. He made us new. We've been united with Christ so that we can do what? The good things He planned for us. When? He planned these things before, before you jacked up your life. He, he, he planned these amazing things before we did shameful things. Man, you see, all that stuff we got caught up in, He already had a plan to redeem our lives through the death and resurrection of His Son, Jesus. So get over yourself. Get over the past. Come on, there's a future, and that's my hope that you would see something maybe you haven't seen in a while. So He wants us to do good things. Well, what kind of good things? He wants to do good things that we enjoy and that bring fulfillment. And by the way, when good, God talks about good things, it's different. Because how many know some of that? How are you doing? I'm doing good. I was doing it. It was good. You know, we talk about good like as it's lame, like lame oh good. Good, good, good. No, no, no. When God says good, it is a whole different realm of good. Back in the beginning when he created everything, it says God saw all that he made and it was very good. And so when he says very good, when God's good, it's very good. In other words, God's good rocks. It's amazing. So it's not the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, like, how are you doing? Good, good news. No, no, no. It's amazing news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want you to think for just a moment about how powerful God is. You've heard this scripture before, I'm sure. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. In Romans 8, 28, it says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good, the very good, the good of those who love God and who are called according to our, His purpose. And you are called according to His purpose, and He works all things together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose, right? Think about this for just a minute. There's about seven and a half billion people on the planet as we speak. All those in the past, those that are in the present, come on, and God is weaving and orchestrating in the midst of all of that, working together and on behalf of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Do you know how amazing that is? Come on, some, we can't even get it, figure things out with about 10 people. You can't even figure out things in your own family, right? You try to have a holiday and try to plan it all, and then uncle so-and-so comes over, and it's a mess. Oh, you know, it's crazy. It's like you walk outside, and I, my family, my family. God orchestrates us in the thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions and billions all at the same time. And come on, do we believe in coincidences? How does he do all that? Gives me a headache thinking about it. He's God and you're not. He has the ability to do these things. So if you're going to have a heart that's open to the more life that God has for you, the abundant life that Jesus promised that we could have, it's this thing that we're familiar with called faith that opens the door to the impossibilities that God wants to accomplish through and with us, right? We walk by faith and not by sight. Well, there's another word for faith. It's called risk. Faith always has the idea that you have to take a risk because you don't know what's happening on the other side of the yes that you give to Jesus, right? And so many of us are risk averse. 
But I want to tell you, that's not how God's called us to live. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. <laughs> it's actually going to happen, right? That's faith. And it gives us the assurance about things that we cannot see. So taking that step of faith, well, it's a risk. And, and here's what you need to know, that God has not called us to live a life of safety. Did you know He's not called us to live the safe life? But we are saturated with a safety culture, aren't we? I mean, I don't like pain. I like to be safe. But if you have a kid today, my, I don't know how I'm alive. I didn't have a helmet when I was a kid. You can't live without a helmet. You can't do anything without a helmet. Man, we built jumps and soared through the air. I mean, a helmet? We skateboard. We did all kinds of things. My mom let me go out during the day. You know, I'm, no leash. Like, like the old day, I mean, and so now you can't do anything. And I'm a parent, so I understand why and everything. But still, it's like, oh, my gosh, it, Whew. God's not calling us to live safe life. Our God is wild. He wants to do and see amazing things that takes place in the lives of His children. And so God's called us to take risks in our life regarding the future. And that's why one yes to Jesus can change your life. Let's look at a few people, some of the God highlights here, some epic stories of men and the women in the Bible where the odds were really against them. Some of these people that chose to take some amazing uh, risks and impossibilities, and in the midst of that impossibility, God showed up. And these stories are for us. You know, you have some that like, you know, Noah, um, that's a pretty big deal. You know, some God says, build a boat. You know, what's a boat? The whole thing, right? And, uh, you know, it's never rained before. And, 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 but he had like 500 years to try to convince himself to get busy on it and, you know, tell people. And, but uh, he had a big day when it rained, right? And he's like, oh, there is a God. And, uh, but then you get to guys like Abraham and Sarah, the promise to have a son and they're like in a nursing home. Can you imagine the stories when you're telling, hey, so what's God doing in your life? We're going to have a son. You're going to have something. We need to put you in the special section of this place. You really need some assisted living in this season of your life. Come on. I mean, it took some faith to believe. Imagine the gossip. <laughs> we the family reunions were probably pretty odd. You got Gideon, man. He's got, God's leading him into a battle, and, and he's going against 135 soldiers, right? In Judges 7, 2, it says, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. And Gideon said, no, I don't. And God said, yes, you do. I can't deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast, saying, my own strength has saved me. You know, God leads us into endeavors that we can't take the credit for later. In other words, it wants to be an endeavor that those that are watching and you know on the inside, <laughs> that was God. You know, people that know you, they're like, I had to be God. I know you, right? That kind of stuff. That's right. So he paired Gideon's army down to 300. Well, I don't know about you. If I had 300 soldiers, I'd feel pretty confident. That'd be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? 300? I mean, that's pretty good. And then you realize that on the other side, there's 135,000. All of a sudden, 300. Man, that's really small. As a leader, you kind of want to go, hey, you guys go take care of that. Right? You know? That was a bad day, but God showed up and brought about a great victory, and everyone knew it was God. Check this out about David. We all read about David and Goliath, right? We all hear about the story and the five smooth stones and all that stuff. That's not the story. 
That's not the story. It was a story for the children of Israel that were watching all this. But in 1 Samuel 17, verse 34, this is when David was, you know, Saul was trying to get David to wear his armor. And, you know, who are you to think you could go out and battle against Goliath? And, and here we go, verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant's been keeping his father's sheep. So he took care of sheep. Well, that's not really a big deal. You never grow up and say, I want to be a sheep watcher, right? But something happened to him while he was out there watching sheep. Look at this. Your servant's been keeping his father's sheep. Listen, when a lion or a bear came, that's when I leave. I was talking about myself right there. How many of some of you guys, you tried to do something called camping and you hear a little rustling in the woods, you gone, right? Just a little noise and you're scared like a little girl, right? Okay, well, here we got David. Listen to this. When a lion or bear came and carried off my sheep from the flock, you know what I would have said? Bye! <laughs> That's eating out some lamb chops somewhere, right? You know, it's like, bye! It's called that a sowing. That's a contribution into the community, right? <laughs> let it go, let it go. Glory to God, I'm safe, right? Right, right? Yeah, well, something different about David. He's like, That's mine. Listen to this. Come on now. This is the Bible, it's the holy word of God. And so verse 35, his response, I went after it, because that's what you do when you encounter a lion, right? Ooh, he took my sheep. And you know, what did he go after him? It says, and he struck it. What did he struck with? His stick, the separate stick. Can you imagine that? Getting your shepherd, I'm going after me a lion. He put in the hits. I never read, hey, if you encounter a lion, hit him in the head. Hit him in the back. Let him know you're there. Well, he must have came from behind because, listen to this, when I struck it and I rescued the sheep from its mouth, when it turned to me, when it turned on me, that's right there where all your bodily functions begin to empty at that moment, right? <laughs> You've encountered something. And I went after I struck and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, listen to this guy. Oh, yeah? I seized it by the hair because that's what you do when a bear and its teeth are in your face. You just grab it by the hair. Give it a yank here. And he struck it and he killed it. Come on, we've got some hand-to-paw combat going on here with a bear or a lion. Man, it was something up in him that he knew that God was with him. And I'm telling you, how many know, are you glad that God's not leading you to start this way? <laughs> how many are open to sheep duty now? He just put me with the sheep. But it's all right, we'll let, we'll let them do the bear and the lion stuff, right? Right, right, well, okay. Well, uh, so this is the guy. Now when Goliath comes along and he sees all the Israelite, you know, King Saul, and they're all knees are knocking and they're all freaking out, he's like, are you worried about him? <laughs> I just got done with a bear and a lion. Ain't nothing. I'm going to take this guy down. And it... Think about the lion, by the way. Lions, a you know, male lion, weighs about 450 pounds, can leap about 36 feet and travel in short distances at about 50 miles an hour. Yeah, and when it turned on me. Okay, so we have all these uh, stories of the great things that God wants to do. Let me tell you about faith. Faith chases opportunities that are before us. Faith chases opportunities, things where it's against all odds. There's no way that it can happen, but you do it like God is real, like God is going to show up, like God is who he said he is and will do what he said he will do. I believe that these amazing epic stories are there in the Bible and they're recorded for us to remember what a 
very good God and a very powerful God is to you and to me. Meaning inside of you are epic stories and adventures that God wants to do to and through your life if we would believe that he would. These are the things, the stories he dreamt about you before time even began. And so in other words, God leads us into situations, and when he does, and you feel prompted to take that step, that risk, it should be a little scary, intimidating. When it's a little scary, intimidating, that's usually a sign it might be God. But some of us have this whole, well, you never know, right? You got to pray about this because, you know, like David, when he prayed, when, they, you know, when the lion turned, oh, hang on, Lord, I need to pray about this right now. Oh, lead me by the Holy Spirit. You know, it's just, no, man, sometimes rather than say, why would I do that? We have to have more of a, why not? If God is for me, who can be against me? Come on, let's do this thing. Whatever it is that the Lord might be leading you to do. Some of these things seem so ridiculous, but let me tell you something. It's just evidence that only God can bring it to pass, right? Here's where we learn where one little yes can change your life. I don't know about you, but this is the kind of Christian I want to be, right? I mean, that's the kind of church I want to... Don't you want to hang out with people that kind of are believing that God's going to do great things? That's the kind of church I want to lead. I want to be a part of connect with a lot of churches that are believing God's going to do great things. He's going to lead us to do the impossible, where our dreams are unlikely without his involvement. And here's the deal. I don't know about you, but I don't want to look back on my life later with regret. I don't want to look back and see what fear, how it held me back from going after the opportunities God tried to bring to me in my life. And so, ask the question, when is the last time you had something in your life where God prompted you to do it and it couldn't have happened without Him? You see, we have to remember those times when we prayed for things that, man, there's no way that could happen and he showed up because those are the things that encourage us when we go forward that when he showed up last time, he's going to show up this time. For some of you who might be newer in your journey with the Lord, maybe you've never had that kind of experience. That's why God's giving you the stories. And that's why those of you that have had God show up that we need to tell your story. You need people to hear how God delivered you, opened up a door where you stepped into crazy and God showed up. These are the testimonies that spur one another on to good works, right? Because his good works aren't good until we take a step, a risky step of faith. A risky step of faith. And so a question as we're here is, are you willing to say yes to the Lord if he puts that prompting on the inside of you? Because one yes can change your life. I want to read you something. Uh, Anyone ever played with dominoes? Okay, one person bold in the back has really gone after it. Okay, uh, uh, dominoes, some of you play the actual game. I didn't even know there was an actual game. I just thought that you just stood them up, you know, the whole thing and you spend like an hour getting it all up and then you knock it over and in five seconds all your work is done. You're like, I only had to do that one time. I know that is boring. Anyway, um, but in 1983, listen to this, there was a physics professor named Lorne Whitehead. He published an article in the American Journal of Physics. I'm sure you all subscribe. And it was titled The Domino Chain Reaction. 
The domino effect is nothing new about one domino knocking down another domino, but what he discovered is that a domino isn't just capable of knocking over the domino next to it. He discovered that a domino can actually knock over another domino that's one and a half times its size. So a two-inch domino can knock over a three-inch domino, and a three-inch domino can knock over a four-and-a-half-inch domino, and a four-and-a-half-inch, I don't know, man, because it gets all into fractions after that, but you get the point, right? So here's the amazing uh, point of this, that as the size of these dominoes grow, when you get to the 18th domino, you could actually, um, you could topple the leaning tower of Pisa. That seems like cheating because it's already leaning, right? Uh, But when you get to the 21st domino, you could take down the Washington Monument. And when you get to the 24th domino, you could take down the Empire State Building. And I think you get the point. You see, this is not a linear uh, progression, but this is a geometric progression. So uh, check this out. The gravitational energy or potential energy of that 13th domino is about 2 billion times greater than the first 2-inch domino. Wow, the energy it took to knock over that first one when you get to the 13th, 2 billion times more powerful. And uh, well, if you were to start with a 13th domino and try to knock that over, well, you'd probably die because it's awfully big, but anyone can topple a two-inch domino, right? So today I want to tell you, don't despise the day of the two-inch domino in your life because one little yes can change everything. Now, in the math there, I pointed out two types of uh, progression, both linear and exponential. And so if you take uh, 30 linear steps, you might have to go twice. You travel about 90 feet. If you take uh, 30 exponential steps, you could circle the earth 26 times. And so there's this exponential power that all begins with one yes, with one domino that has a dramatic effect um, in our lives. So although your two-inch domino might appear a little trite to you, it makes all the difference when it's projected across time and space. And I'm just telling you small yeses. Someone was reminding me last night, a family that moved from California to live here. And it was 11 years ago, there was this godly lady married to this one guy who felt a prompting to come to Kalamazoo. And it was one yes that changed our life. Well, and guess what that did? It impacted you because you wouldn't be here. And the stories of hundreds of lives and people that moved and relocated and got married and there's kids everywhere. The point isn't that I did anything. The point was a yes had implications and and it's going to affect thousands of people. Meaning if my little domino can make that kind of effect, and your little domino can have that kind of impact, we're going to have some pretty amazing dominoes falling all over the place in Jesus' name. So let's let it roll. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Come on. If you'll do little things like they're big things, God will do big things like they're little things. One yes can change your life. One yes can open the door to the dream that God dreamed about you before time began. Praise God. I... I remember, I remember when I was a, a relatively new believer, um, uh, I was 
pretty stirred up, high energy kind of guy, but very immature in my faith. When I went to Bible college, I got it in me that I wanted to, I felt like I was, my family's from England and I was going to go, I wanted to go to England and, you know, shake the nation, you know. And so I wrote a letter to our missions department, uh, part of the Foursquare Gospel Church. I wrote that letter to him and said, you know, hey, I'm whatever and I want to go to England. And uh, guess what? Something came in a mailbox. Do you remember those things, letters they had stamps on them and everything? And I got this letter and I opened it up and, uh, and I had an invitation to lead a team uh, well, I didn't even know what that meant, but all I knew was I was going to do it. And so here I am, man. I was telling everybody, I didn't have any sensitivity to how you're supposed to do things. And so I sent letters to hundreds of churches telling them about this fantastic opportunity to be a part of the mission trip to go to England. Can I remind you something? I had at that point never been on a mission trip. So, but there was something that got up me and said, we're going to go. And man, I went and I had, they brought, set me up in front of a thousand kids and I got to tell them, you ought to come on a mission trip. We're going to go to England, Great Britain. We're going to shake the nation. And uh, when I did, all the youth pastors told their kid, don't go with him. He's crazy. Don't go with him. You know, he's crazy. And I thank God to this day, only 17 came because it would have killed me. I didn't know what I was doing. You know what I mean? I'm taking these kids into a foreign country. I'm not thinking about safety and food and all that. I made some plans and man, I'm telling you what, we got ourselves in a building bigger than this and we started serving and inviting people to come have. We opened the American Cafe. We had hot dogs and pancakes and ice cream, and all these teenagers came in, and we did dramas, and 80, over 80 kids made decisions to give their lives to Christ during that time. We had kids that got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I didn't even know how to do that. What I'm saying is that sometimes our yes does not have to be accompanied with with all the maturity and the qualifications and the time that you think it needs to take because God makes up the difference when we say yes to the promptings that are inside of our lives. And I'm exhorting you today to say yes to Jesus. In fact, recently, it's been my prayer, Lord, if you show me what to do, I'll do it. Sometimes it's like, I don't know. But I know in Jeremiah 33, 3, the scripture says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. Now, I have these conversations with God. Well, I'm calling, you know, but the word says you're going to show me great and mighty things. I just want you to know, I don't know them. I don't know what's great and mighty, so you better show up and show me. And so this is this ongoing conversation we have. And about six to eight weeks ago, I was in Washington, D.C., and I had kind of a free day, and I decided to go see some sites, right? And um, I didn't know that meant I was going on a very long walk because there you go like <laughs> to the Capitol building and you want to go see the next thing. And you look on the map and you're going to walk forever. After day one, Uber and I became friends. But day one, I'm walking like crazy. I'm walking, I'm listening to these teachings and uh, uh, all of them, God stirring me up. And all of a sudden I feel this prompting that I'm supposed to pray for 40 days. And walk around Kalamazoo and the college campuses here in town. Well, first of all, when I first thought that, 40 days, that's a long time. Walk on all the way around Kalamazoo, I got out the map. The actual city of Kalamazoo, that includes like the airport and all, all this place. So it's like, Lord, if I do that, I will not have a life. Like, <laughs> Anyway, I prayed it through and got it clear on what the Lord is having me to do. And so I think this morning was day 28 of these 40 days. And I was down there at Western praying over that place in Jesus' name. 
Well, this is a part of my yes. I don't know what's on the other side of this thing, but I just tell you, I believe God does something when it's bathed in prayer. And uh, it's my yes. And you know what I think God's going to do? I think he's going to do something profound among the 30 to 40,000 students. Majority of them are living godless lives without God. Today, there's over 75,000 people around here who did not wake up thinking, I ought to go to church today. There's about another many thousand people that used to go to church and they don't even feel guilty anymore about not going. God needs to do something. He's looking for people that'll say, yes, I'm in. I'll do it. Even when it's a little scary, even when it's a little intimidating in our life. Man, I'm stirred up. I was walking around Kalamazoo and I fell asleep. Where's the mayor? I'm going to go tell him there's a church in town. And man, there's a couple of them. And you better look out, mayor. We're going to change some things in here. Now, I don't even know who the mayor is. I'm just telling you, I was stirred up. So if I see him, I'm going to tell him. And if you know the mayor, you tell him you need to talk to me, all right? Because I've been praying for Mr. Mayor uh, to find out who he is, all right, or who she is. I want to pray for you as we wrap up our time together because there's more for you. There's more for you. You may be discouraged. You may be struggling with depression. You may be having horrible thoughts about yourself. You may feel like you don't have a future. You actually might feel pretty good about yourself and you're living in the land of comfort and safety. And God said, that time in your life is done because I have more for you in your life. There's dreams that he wants to redeem and bring to pass in your life. He wants you to take risks and walk by faith and see him show up mightily in your life. And on the other side of your yes, the pushing down that two-inch domino is going to have a dramatic impact on your life, your family, your marriage, our community, our world in Jesus' name. The scripture says that we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called. You are loved and you are called according to his purpose and plan. 